A neighbor of Sally and I's uh, one day met Sally, and she had a couple of kids, and so Sally invited her in, and uh, she didn't leave. She sat in the chair all day, and it what took place the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and Sally said, I don't know what to do. I mean, we have, she had four little girls then. And uh, she goes, I'm so behind, but she doesn't leave. She comes in the morning and she sits down and won't move until her husband gets home like six o'clock. And I said, man, I don't know. Like, and uh, so this is after a number of days. And the next day she was, didn't know what to do. She just opened up and said, I don't know what it is about your house. But when I sit down in your house, she goes, I feel at peace. I just feel the joy. I, I watch how you interact with your kids and your husband. And it's just, I don't want to leave. And shortly after, she gave her life to Christ and found out who really is the reason. I remember as a young teenage, young teenager in my parents' house that one of my brother's friends was out partying and did some bad drugs, and he was freaking out. And we looked out the door, and this, we saw this guy running down the streets through the streetlights. It was late at night banging on our door, just falling all over himself as he came in because he was on his last emotion, man. He was so full of fear and, and freaking out. And as he just sat in our house and just talked with dad and mom, you could just see him just until he was at peace. As with somebody just last month, they were absolutely losing it. She looks at me and she goes, oh, and she just freaks. I said, okay, just stop. Well, I can't. Yeah, I said, when you're in my presence, you'll have peace. I will? I said, yep. And just, and she goes, that's incredible. This is amazing. What's going on? I said, well, I said, controlling your emotions and controlling the way you feel isn't about controlling your surroundings. It's about living in a state of joy and peace and love that comes out of you. She said, well, what are you going to do? What's going to happen when I, when I leave, when you leave? I said, you're going back to your messed up thinking. Well, why? I said, because it's who I have on the inside of me. It gives me this incredible, overflowing joy, peace, love. I want to talk about that today. Because Jesus really is a gift. But we keep thinking he was a gift as a baby. He's cute as a baby, I'm sure he was, but that wasn't the gift. The gift was what he would do 33 years later. That would establish something that today, for some reason, Christians don't get. If you've been raised in church, I feel sorry for you. If you've been raised out of church, I feel sorry for you. Because neither place has answers. Religion doesn't have answers, and the world doesn't have answers. But I thought I'm going to blast through what radically changed my emotional makeup. What radically brought me to a place of, of rock-solid peace, joy, love. And it's not because I could control my surroundings. Nobody can. We live in a world where people are so inflicted and afflicted 
They just feel like they can't control what's going on. They're desperate. They can't seem to, to function even in their head. And, and they're looking for hope and they find none. And, and even Christianity, if not taught properly, they learn to forgive their enemies and re-forgive their enemies and re-re-forgive their enemies, but they don't find any peace and joy in this process because they haven't looked at the teachings of Jesus I want to talk about. Sometimes when we look at the teachings of Jesus, we think they're just kind of cute and, yeah, it's so true, this, this, and this. And we have absolutely forgotten that there are some teachings that are so crucial that I would call them critical factors. I'm going to deal with critical factors today, which means if you don't deal with these things, you will be messed up, I promise you. But if you will look at the critical factors of what, the what Jesus taught, you can walk in a way of living that is so phenomenal that you can enjoy the life you're walking through, not just when things are good, but it doesn't matter what's going on. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You can be at a table in the presence of your enemies. You can be anywhere, and you got love, joy, peace. Why? Because it's not about controlling everything. It's about who is in you and how to see it flow in your lives. The Bible says, because iniquity shall abound, in Matthew 24, 12, the love of many will wax cold. Today in believers' lives, those who don't know Christ and in those who do know Christ, they don't know why their love is growing cold in their marriage. Their love is growing cold towards God, their church. People switch churches like socks. The longest most people last is about two years. And, and that's long because they don't understand church and getting planted and giving. They're just consumers. They just take. And their whole lives are lived in this mode of being hurt. And the hurts grow. And bitterness rises up on the inside. And not just bitterness, but they learn to live in sorrow and then depression. There's an unending cycle of hurt and disappointment in their marriage, in their family, in the world with God. And they don't know why this is. And like I said, church doesn't seem to know how to offer anything to victims other than forgiving and re-forgiving, yet never finding true freedom from the pain in their lives. Luke 17:1 says offenses are going to come. You're not in heaven yet. So today, someone in the building will probably offend you. If not, I mean, I got 20 minutes of talking left, I'll probably offend you. <laughs> offenses are going to come. That's a promise. Why? We're not in heaven yet. And so pain will come through people, but suffering is always optional. And I'm going to show you as we go through some of these incredible things in the Word, how that you do not have to be offended. And how do we unwire that, especially when we live in a world that has taught you and wrong, and, and, and even in the Word of God. The first step on this journey to living a life filled with this, this beautiful Christmas gift of joy, peace, and love is you must give up the right to judge people. Jesus says, do not judge. And we thought, yeah, that's, I, I sure agree with that. That's cool. Yep, don't judge. No, no, you don't get it. That's a critical factor. You see, there are critical factors to driving a car on the highway. You know, what kind of windshield wipers is important? What kind of music you listen to is okay? How you fasten your seatbelt, whatever. What gear you're in, okay. But a critical factor would be don't go to the left of the dotted line. That's a critical factor. 
The rest are all minimal. And the Bible's filled with lots of beautiful, wonderful teaching. But there are critical factors. And those critical factors will destroy you. They will leave you in this place of angst where you can't control your own emotions. You can't get your marriage to work. You can do all of the things that every book on love tries to do. And you can't get it to work. You can try it. You can be analytical. You can be analyzed. You can get inner healing, outer healing, whatever kind of healing the church is providing this month. But a critical issue is you have to unwire your right to judge others. This is a critical factor. And if you don't, then you could try to look at all the fruit on your tree as a problem and pick all those problems off. And they're all growing back before you even get around the tree. Because it's not about the fruit, it's about the root. But you deal with the root and it all just falls off. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because one of the critical factors he teaches, just being adhered to, will cause a host of problems to just fall off your life. Just hit the ground. People go, that's not true. I haven't found it that way. That's because you're not messing with critical factors. You're messing with what you think is important rather than what Jesus thinks is important. Judgment is a critical factor. You are not to judge the heart of another person. And if you do, you are on a pathway of pain. It's an insane pathway that continues you judging your spouse, your kids, your friends, God, judging yourself, and you're not even supposed to do that. You go, what? I'll show you. We've got to understand that the Bible either is the most stunning, amazing, phenomenal book you've ever gone into, or it's just kind of a cute little thing that, hey, yeah, I got Zig Ziglar, and, and I got Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and I got Leon Fontaine, and I got the Bible. No, no, listen, we all are looking to the Word of God as the most stunning book on psychology, the most stunning book on relationships, the most stunning book on eternity. You know, someone said to me the other day, it was a, he said, well, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in hell. You know, the Bible doesn't really say that. I'm going, you ever read the Bible? Well, the Bible says the rich man and Lazarus both died, and Lazarus died and went to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man died, and he opened his eyes in hell. <laughs> Jesus said it. Like, come on. Like, what is it about us that wants to keep changing the Bible? Why do we just think, well, the Bible's kind of a great suggestive analytical book? I like, no, there's nothing that can compare to this thing. And so we've got to understand that for you to walk in a place of what the Bible's talking about, you've got to see it and understand the crucial teachings of Jesus Christ. The fact that you are accepted in Jesus as a believer, that you are righteous through him, that you're free from every curse, that you're qualified for every aspect of the inheritance, that all of the promises are yes and amen, which means yes, and you are to add your verbal amen to it. If you do not, even though the promises are yours, you're not confessing and speaking and believing and, 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 and getting a hold of those promises. The answer to our dilemma today as believers is found in Jesus. It's found in his finished work on the cross, his word, and his example. People don't understand the Bible and, and they struggle with it. And we were just chatting with some friends earlier and I said, you know what? There's, there's three simple ways to really have a great understanding. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at Jesus because he's the example of what God is like. He's God. Okay. Then understand the finished work of the cross. And then third, Look at God's beautiful word. But you have to do the other two things first. Are you going to be the most messed up person you've ever seen? Which is why we have thousands of um, 
different kinds of churches all over the world who believe so many different things. Why? Because they didn't do these two things. Look at Jesus as this is what God looks like. This is the way God acts. This is what God thinks. Why? This is Emmanuel, God with us. This is him walking in the flesh. Watch him. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll see Jesus. Then find out what Jesus did on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his burial, and his ascension. Those four simple steps and reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will open you up to understanding the Bible like few people have ever seen. See, emotional pain becomes our window to the world. Our emotional pain becomes our window to our marriage. Our emotional pain becomes our window to our friendships. Our emotional pain becomes our window to God. And you've got to deal with emotional pain. When the Bible says he heals the brokenhearted, he wasn't talking about just sobbing. He was talking about until you deal with how your heart believes and works and judges, your heart will continually get you in more pain than you've ever seen before. And as it skyrockets or as it spirals into pain, you will continue to do the worst things and the pain becomes so great that the Bible says even what you've got you will lose. As Jesus teaches a little bit about this in Mark chapter 4 and verse 24 to 26, he starts talking about some of these things. And so we've got to understand how to live our lives with Christ so that we are not messing up our relationships. When it comes to unhappy people, it is almost always connected to relationships. It says here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, do not judge. That's not a suggestion. He said, hey, here's a cool thought. He said, do not judge, or you will be judged. Everyone thinks, God's going to judge me? No, this is not about God. The pain in your life doesn't come from God. This doctrine of sovereignty of God is the most ridiculous, disgusting doctrine I've ever heard to keep blaming God for all the things in our life. No. He says, do not judge or you will be judged. And he's not talking about his judgment. He's talking about your spouse's judgment. It's coming back at you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And it's coming back at you more than you gave. And you're judging your friend and judging your boss. And anywhere where you judge someone, this is a relationship-destroying, emotionally uh, destroying thing that causes you to live in such pain. And you think it's bad now it only gets worse but just listen to me for just 10 more minutes i want to show you what jesus says because jesus changed my life jesus rocked my world not just getting saved but understanding his teaching and when people judge you back you are going to look around and feel so judged and nobody judges people positively We get more than we give. This is a crucial issue. It is a critical factor. Identifying what someone did to you, that's not judgment, that's observation. But assuming why someone did something to you has entered the realm of judging the heart. The heart of a human being is a subconscious area where your identity has been established. You growing up, 
your parents, what you believe, your hurts, brokenness. All of this establishes deep subconscious beliefs that the Bible calls your heart. And the heart is, heart is much more powerful than just subconscious beliefs. But when you look at any kind of situation and you ask the question, why? You are about to form an identity belief. And that identity belief will control your emotional makeup, not God. God's done judging you. He judged you and me and Jesus. But people aren't done judging you. The word why is our first indicator of you're judgmental or you are approaching a situation and you're being judgmental. You're asking the question, why? And the, Jesus is forbidding that. He's saying, do not do this. I love simple examples because it helps us to wrap our brain around great principles. If I walk off the stage and I shake three of the four people's hands on the left, on here in the front row, and I miss one, okay? That person that I just missed has an incident that has just taken place. And if they just notice Leon didn't shake my hand and they don't ask the question why in their own mind, they'll be fine. But if as they walk off, they go, why didn't he shake my hand? The question why has made the incident of utmost importance. And the question he is now asking has to do with his identity. He doesn't like short people, tall people, uh, whatever it is. I didn't dress better than him. Someone told him stuff about me. Either way, you're judging my heart. And you have just placed your relationship and mine in a cage of your making. And you will never benefit from anything in me because you have placed me in the cage of your judgment, in a prison of your judgment. And so when we look at our marriages and our friendships and our business relationships and our kids, I know parents who know the Bible, they love Jesus, they're great, and they can't understand why their kids will not come home. And then I see them talking once to them, and I realize no one has ever taught them that you never, never judge your kid's heart. What in their mother? It's not your kid. It's God's kid. It's on loan to you for about 15 years. And you can't ask why. You just teach them what. Ever notice when you ask a five-year-old who was told, don't throw the ball in the house, and they threw the ball and break mom's favorite jar. And you walk up and you said, you threw the ball. Then what's the next question that all of us did growing up? Why did you throw that ball in the house? And you ever notice that little guy? He doesn't even know what to He never answers. Just, look. It's a new thought. Why did I throw the ball in the house? Now, in asking why, listen to the close. You are actually developing situational ethics in his world. Because if he can find a good reason why, he gets off. That's why you don't ask why. You just tell him what he did, what the consequences are. You were told three times. Now you, and when you keep away from the why, he doesn't feel judged. And you don't need to judge his heart because you don't know a thing about his heart. The heart is so complex that God is the only judge of the heart. And any person in any relationship, even if you don't talk to them about it, but internally you judge their heart, you are destroying the relationship and you are bringing judgment back on you from people because this emanating of judgment, you can just sense it. 
And no one wants to be around a judgmental person. It is such a huge problem that if you do not deal with this judging someone. Now, here's what makes it even worse. Christians feel that discernment means you get to judge somebody's heart. Yeah, I've got the gift of discernment. Someone told me that a while ago, and they said, yeah, and yeah, I want you to know, you need to deal with the pride. And I go, okay, uh, why are you saying that? Well, God just showed me your heart. Well, right away, I know he didn't, because God doesn't show people other people's hearts. That is reserved for God himself. Now, it doesn't mean I can't learn from it, even though it's done wrong. But we've got to understand, Matthew 7, 1, judge not or you will be judged. And being judged by everybody around you is a quick trip to the most abandoned feeling, relationships being so shallow, if you can develop them, because the judgment that comes back at you is off the charts. And people who judge, they are convinced others are judging them. These three friends had a friend that wouldn't leave the house. He had this form of fear that you know, wouldn't let him leave the house. So they finally forced him to come to a football game with them, and they, they bought tickets and got him in a great seat towards the front. And, and, I mean, 10 seconds into the game, he storms up, and he storms out of the Coliseum, and they're chasing this guy down. What, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? You see those guys standing in a circle in the middle of the field there? They're talking about me. Judge not, that you be not judged. It is your judgments that bring the pain into your life, not the incidents. It's your judgments. Talking about relationships. I tell the story in the series I did a few years ago on this and how that my mom is an amazing baker. She bakes this amazing chocolate cake, so moist, I mean, and this white icing that has got a little bit of mint on it. And us guys devour. I got four brothers. She does amazing birthday parties, a cool cake, and great gifts. But on my birthday, she bought me a white-bought cake and socks for a gift. As I'm eating this dry white cake, knowing that Mine is the last birthday of the year, and my other four brothers all got amazing presents and great home-baked cakes. I asked myself, why didn't she do that for me? And I knew right then she loved my brothers more than me. Isn't it funny to hear somebody actually say it, but every family does this? If I ask every person here, who did your parents love more? You've got an answer. And by judging your parents, or by judging that, like I judged my mom as I leave the birthday party and I watch how she hugs my brothers, and I know she hugs me a little bit less. (laughs) She compliments them a little bit more, and not me. What is going on? The human psyche is always trying to grab evidence to prove its hypothesis. That's why the Bible says even faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence. You're always looking for evidence. And so when you judge something and you've made a judgment, you begin to look for evidence. From that point and on, I'll never know a relationship with my mom because I know she doesn't love me as much. And it's funny to hear, but it's one of the most devastating things to people to even think that I'm less than my brother's 
that my brothers have more? Why does my mom love my brothers more? And I begin to analyze me. I begin to analyze her. I begin to judge my identity. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with her. And it brings the most emotional mess you've ever seen in your life. Yet Pentecostal Christians, which is, I totally believe in the gifts of the Spirit, they actually will teach the gifts of the Spirit and say that God will use a gift to show you somebody else's heart. And that's wrong too. God does not need to show you the heart of another person. Why? You God? No. But you've set yourself up to be God. And when you step into the role of Holy Spirit, in your relationships, you sever his ability to heal that relationship. You just stepped in as Holy Spirit, and you've judged that person's heart. I've, in, in the counseling of a 40 years, I've pastored, trying to help people with counseling until they unwire this. And you can't do it for them until they make the decision that I'm going to stop judging, and you have to work at this. I did, and I still have to. Knowing that the question why is verboten, that's the start. I just, every time I, 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 why comes up in my mind, it's like I take that thought captive. Because if I don't, people say, well, Leon, there's strongholds of the enemy. Now, the devil's not that strong. You know, what, you know what strongholds are according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4, 5, and 6? It says here, and I love the Amplified, it talks about tearing down strongholds. And in the, in the Amplified, it says taking down reasonings and theories and imaginations that exalt themselves against God. When you have beliefs in your heart about anything that is against the word. You've built a stronghold. You've built something that you think you're right. And then pride gets involved. Welcome to hell. Welcome to no relationships working well. And even if someone loves you, you can't feel it, receive it, enjoy it, or believe it. If my wife, let's say that God did a measuring of all the women on the planet, goes, oh, Sally loves her husband more than any other woman on the planet. I'm making this up. And so I go home to this amazing woman who loves me so much. But I don't believe it. And I walk in the door and she says, hey, hon. Hon. I was thinking about you today. Yeah, right. I love you, babe. Right. Do I get to enjoy that love? I wallow in my misery of my judgments of her heart. She can stay free if she doesn't judge me back, which is really hard. But she'll walk in joy and peace as long as she doesn't judge me back. This thing about judgment is brutal. It has the power to destroy generations of your family. Only when you judge someone do you give the... You know, if when I walked off the platform and I shook three of the four people's hands, that incident has no power to hurt anybody until that person judges the incident. Once the person judges the incident, it has the power to destroy a relationship. What's the biggest question people have about God? Why? Why did my dad die? Why did that person get the raise? Why didn't you stop this accident? Why? And they ask the question, why? And they don't have the knowledge in the word to answer it. So they answer it for themselves. And they destroy any ability to sense the love of God.
the peace of God, the joy of God, because they've judged the heart of God. Never waste your time asking yourself why when something happens to you. Never. Never. Just deal with what happened to you. What will give you all that you need? Well, you know, are you saying that we're supposed to be a doormat? No, no. Jesus was walking in amazing love and he never judged hearts. But yet no one took advantage of him. So don't waste your time trying to figure out why. I don't have to know why the second babysitter applying for the job of looking after my kids smokes dope, does drugs, and is in the backseat of the car with any person that moves. I don't have to ask myself why. I just saw it and I don't know what they do. So you're not babysitting my kids. Well, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm not judging your heart. What you do is observation. And that's how we live. Track record. By their fruits, you shall know them, the Bible says. I don't need to judge heart. That's a superior place where you think you're God. And nobody can stand a person who judges them. There's something in the makeup of even kids that can't stand being judged. And my... And and I'm telling you right now, if you want to know what the hardest thing I do every day of my life is to stay free from the judgments that one time used to destroy me. And I have to work and I still slip up. But knowing that the question is, don't ever go into why. Because when you do, your self-centeredness is causing you to think that everything's about you. I, I got something really exciting for you to understand. Nobody's thinking about you. Like when you walked into the room here today or you walk into the coffee shop later and you're sure they're judging your pants, your boots, your face, your shoes, your weight, they don't don't even notice you. (laughs) Do you know what people notice? Themselves. That's all they think about. You're free. You're fine. And as you become like Jesus and you start noticing others, but you stay free from judgment, you can bring encouragement and love and hope and change people's world. But everybody is so self-centered, we're sure that everybody else is judging us. And when they are, oh man, but in many cases, they're not. So my challenge to you, if you want a great Christmas, if you really want the gift of Christmas to Jesus, to change and to heal your marriage and your home, then stop judging and thinking you've got the right to. One woman, and I use this all the time, she looked at me and, and she, were, she talked, at the series I did a few years ago, I did a whole series on this. And she goes, I want you to know, I don't agree with you. I know my husband like the back of my hand. I said, sorry, dear. You only know the habits that your husband developed living with you. She didn't like that. And most people will not change the judgmentalness. Jesus, to a woman who was caught in adultery, he said, where's your accusers? She said, they're gone. Remember what he said? Neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. What an incredible thing. You dirty harlot, you piece. He could have gone where religion always goes. You're going to be the most beautiful person to the people around you if this one thing can be done in your Christianity, and that is unwire 
I gotta, my time is so up, so I gotta make my last thought real quick, this one. You're not even supposed to judge yourself. What? Paul teaches us in Corinthians, and I haven't got time to go through, I gotta stop. He says, I don't accept your judgment of me. He says, I don't know of anything in my life that I'm aware of, and by the way, I don't even judge myself. People go, what? Of course you have to, no, no. How you judge yourself is through the eyes of God and Jesus. I used to be worried about, is God going to judge me? Hope he does, because he already judged you through Jesus. And you're righteous. You are qualified for every promise. You are loved. You're accepted in the beloved. He is pleased with you. He is happy with you. He is smiling at you because he's judged you through Jesus. And that's why I gave my life to Jesus and he came into my heart because I realized I don't want you judging me. You better not want me judging you, but I'll take God's judgment any day. He is so in love with me that he sees me through Jesus. The devil doesn't have the power you think he does to wreck your relationships. And God's not holding anything back. He's already freely given you all things. The issue is in these critical factors that Jesus teaches us. And I've only touched on one. But it's one of the biggest ones in the church. And it's one of the biggest ones in the world. That's why people love bars. They go there and if you get drunk and, and the rest of the drunks are there. You know, he's not going to judge you because he's as drunk as you are. So you can get accepted there. You join a gang and they're all doing drugs and theft and they're not going to judge you for drugs and theft. They're doing it with you. So this acceptance causes people to go to certain groups. The church should be the most accepting place where we go, I'll never judge your heart. Now, we are allowed to say, you know what? When you punched me in the face, yeah, that hurt. And I came pretty close to taking your head off too. I can talk about what he did. But I can't go, you arrogant thing. You think you're better than me. You, no, no, now I'm judging. Why did he punch me? Anyway, my time is so past. I hope that I've just presented a thought to you that as you study the word and as you look at Jesus, you'll realize my marriage has got hope. My family's got hope. I can restore that son that doesn't want anything to do with me because I said things thinking I was quoting the word, but I was judging his heart. And let's walk free and let's take these critical factors of the teaching of Jesus and live a life that's amazing. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that having him in my heart gives me this joy, the peace, the love. And as I follow his teaching, I can live a life so full of joy and peace. Even when joy and peace aren't around me, I live in that state because of you in my heart. Help us here at this church to grow to rise up in these areas and to raise up stunning families and an amazing church in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.